been intrigued at the prayers, prophetic words that have come out, so uh, hopefully you'll benefit from my sermon this morning. I want to go to Joshua chapter 1. I know that we are called as a church, Joshua Generation, but I want to speak on the first nine verses of Joshua, and uh, I have uh, been encouraged by this uh, passage again this morning. Joshua chapter 1, and reading from verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river of Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea of the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Or be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So, they get to have a second opportunity. Forty years previously, they had come to the borders of the promised land. And because of a sequence of events, 12 spies going in, coming back, 10 saying negative reports, the guys are big, the walls are high, we're not able to take that land, and they made a, con a negative confession. Only two said we are able, Joshua and Caleb. And God said for 40 years, for an entire generation, you will wander around the wilderness. So this is their second chance. This is their second opportunity. And now they come to this place. And God speaks to Joshua, and I think Joshua obviously commanded the people to go forward with great strength and with great courage. But the first thing that he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. I mean, he's already, we, we, we know that Moses is dead, but, but, but the Lord reiterates this. Moses, my servant, is dead. Why does he say the obvious? Everybody is mourning. This great leader of two million people, 600,000 fighting men, 
probably children and wives also, two million people. I mean, I have difficulty enough leading a hundred people. Can you imagine two million? And they're all Israelites in the wilderness. God bless Moses. <laughs> but Moses is dead. I think, although it was a devastating experience, God wanted to say to Joshua, this moment, this era, this season, this generation now must end. Don't go forward saying, if, if Moses was here. You see, so often we base our past experience into the present and into the future. And we let regrets have their way in our lives. If only I was kinder to my brother. If only my parents had done this. If only that they had been there. If only I had a chance to do this. If only, if only. Maybe you've gotten involved with sin. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 51 says, my sin is ever before me. But that's not the Christian way to do things. Once we come to Christ, our sins are nailed to the cross. What about wasted opportunities? If only. Last night I listened to Michael Caine recite that wonderful poem, If by Rudyard Kop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful poem. Incredible. If. And that two-letter word, we just sometimes let it trip us up over and over. How about a failure that we've had? Makes life so difficult. And just keep pushing ourselves and driving ourselves all the time. You see, and sometimes life just doesn't work, it doesn't work the way we want it and we feel that we're spinning out of control. But you see, if we gather up enough of yesterday's disappointments, then we begin to set boundaries that will hinder us going into the future. And God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. This is a season, this is an era that must come to an end. I want to tell you, Life is difficult. We're going through a pandemic. We've had to face situations that we've never had to face before. And life is difficult. Jesus even said, in this world you will have tribulation. Jesus also said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. And if we look back at the Old Testament and seeing some of the greats and even going into the New Testament, we see that, that the great heroes of the faith had their troubles. Abraham, he was given a cr an incredible promise, but the very next day the land was plunged into a drought. Isaac, picture Isaac trembling because his sons had tricked him. How about Jacob wrestling all night? so that he could get a blessing from God and was not willing to, to, to surrender until he surrendered. How about Moses? Let the people out of Egypt, out of that place of bondage. God delivered them out of Egypt. Now they're in the wilderness. 
And he goes up and he has this incredible time with God and he comes back with the Ten Commandments and they're all dancing and rejoicing around a golden calf. Can you imagine the disappointment? How about David? Being given the promise that he's going to be king, but he's hiding in a cave, wondering when he'll get to that place where he'll put on the crown. And God brings troubles into our lives for a reason. He brings trouble and hardship so that we can push into him, that we can realize his presence. He brings troubles and difficulties into our lives to build character within us. Well, A.W. Tozer says, It's doubtful that God can use any man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. He's one of my fans, is A.W. Tozer, by the way. And, and, and we go through difficulties so that we can be a blessing to others. You know, you're going to have a time and an opportunity where you're going to be uh, counseling, sharing with somebody else. And if you yourself have not been through that difficulty, how can you possibly help and assist somebody? And God is able to use you through those difficult times. So in Joshua chapter 1, this is good news when God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Let the past be the past. Don't carry it into the present and definitely don't carry it into the future. Let your disappointments of yesterday be done and not hinder you for the possibilities of tomorrow. Yesterday's shadows keep us from believing in ourselves. Yesterday's shadows keep us from accomplishing God's plan for us today and tomorrow. One of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. One thing I do, says Paul. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had a past. He had blood on his hands because he was responsible for the death of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. But he says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. You see, God is not basing his plan for your life on your past experiences. And as soon as you remember, as soon as Satan comes along and he reminds you of your past, you're you're thinking about Satan's plan for your life. But when you have an understanding of God's picture for your life, then you need to be looking to the future. Yes, Peter denied Jesus and that was a great mistake for him and he wept bitterly but he came to the Lord and he asked for forgiveness and he moved on and he didn't allow those negative experiences from the past to hinder him and he got the job of being able to preach on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people once the Holy Spirit had fallen 3,000 people were converted that day Luke chapter 9 and verse 32 Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and keeps looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You keep looking back. You keep looking back to your past. You're not fit for the kingdom. Our job is to go forward, to look forward, to have our eyes lifted up to see what God is going to do in and through our lives. If we're constantly looking back Instead of forward, our memories begin to outweigh our dreams. And that's always the start of old age. Carrying the past, carrying guilt, 
carrying fear, carrying bad feelings. It'll keep you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. Listen to that great verse in Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up that you would not, that, that do not, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. See, the past has a way of creeping up. And it's a bad mathematical quota, uh, equation to say that the past plus the present equals the future. That's not the situation. <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> And, and the message of the gospel is that our sins have been nailed to the cross and we can leave them there and we can move forward. See, I love the story of um, a baby elephant at a circus. When, when a baby elephant is, is, has to be contained, they, they put a stake into the ground and they tie a rope to the stake that's in the ground and they tie it to one of the elephant's legs. And so that was, that's the area that he can move in. And as, as he grows up as a baby elephant, he realizes that this, this is uh, you know, his area. He's constrained to this area. He can't move beyond that because he, he, he can't, as a baby elephant, pull the stake and the rope is just strong enough to contain him. But you know, elephants grow up and they become mature and they become these five-ton huge Colossus that can pick up entire trunks with their entire trees with their trunks. And yet they are contained because they have remembered that when they were babies, they couldn't pull the stake and break the rope. And so this huge elephant can easily pull out that stake and easily snap that rope, but it doesn't. See, so sometimes we need to realize that. Is there something, and this is the question that I'm asking, what, what stake do you have in your life, in your past, that is hindering you for your potential today? Moses, my servant, is dead. We need to realize that the past is over. Yesterday is dead and gone. There's absolutely nothing you can do about that. Moses, my servant, is dead. And Moses did incredible miracles. He was responsible for asking God for the ten plagues. He crossed the Red Sea. He prayed that God would bring manna. And they were fed for many years. He hit the rock and water came out. He asked God to send meat and quail came. Incredible miracles took place. But now it's a different season. And under Joshua, there were other miracles that took place, even greater miracles. The crossing of the River Jordan while it was in flood. The taking of the promised land. The fall of the city of Jericho. The stopping of the sun and the moon. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9 says, And then Jesus, he said, Behold, I have come to do the Father's will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. 
as we go into the future, we need to realize that God has something incredible for us. And we need to hear what he has to say. Patrick Henry, the great American revolutionary, said this, I like the dreams of the future better than the history of the past. Let the past be the past. Stand up. Let's move on out together to the boundaries with credible possibilities. Maybe boundaries that we've never, ever measured before. So, there was a promise. God said to Joshua, every area, every place where the people set their foot, I've given it to you. This is their inheritance. I want to ask you, fellow Christians, do you have all that God has intended for you? Do you have all your inheritance? Or are you just satisfied with a small little corner? Then the Lord goes on and he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And he says that three times. Be strong and courageous. I want to just deal with those three little issues. Be strong and courageous. What does it mean to be strong? To seize upon. To get a good grip. To rely on the strength and the power of God. To be courageous. What is courage? Is the choice to confront pain Danger, uncertainty, or intimidation. Knowing that in the face of fear, you're going to work through that fear, and then you're going to push on to the other side. Making a commitment to begin without any guarantee of success. That's courage. See, courage is very closely interlinked with conviction. And so when you've got a conviction, you say, Regardless of what confronts me, what, what I face, what comes in my direction, I'm going to push through. Martin Luther King said this, if a man doesn't have, if he hasn't discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. Courage is not the absence of fear. It really is the ability to walk in spite of fear. Let me give you a few examples in the Bible. David, when he picked up those five stones and his sling, and he went out to confront the giant Goliath, do you not think that there was a little bit of apprehension within him? But the courage overrode that fear. Daniel, who refused to bow to Nebuchadnezzar's statue in Babylon, Elijah, who went out and he confronted the 450 prophets of Baal. Job, who was covered in boils and was surrounded with misunderstanding, heard God and sought God in his situation. Moses, who stood up against Pharaoh and refused to be intimidated by him. Peter, who saw Jesus walking on the water and got out of the boat and walked towards Jesus. That's courage. That's courage. And we need to have that kind of courage in our lives. And God directs 
Joshua to be strong and to be courageous. And he gives him three different instructions. The first one is to be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of this land. This is an invitation that God gives to us. Possession of the land. In verse 3, just before that, Go over this Jordan, the land which I am giving every place that your soul of your feet will tread upon, I will give to you. God's promise includes the possibilities and the potential that he has for us. What possibilities? What potential has he given to us? Well, let's just look at that a little bit. You see, first of all, God doesn't lie. And he's given to us these incredible blessings. His promises us. His promises are true. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9 says, You are faithful, Lord. You are reliable and trustworthy and therefore ever true to your promises. You can be depended on. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, the Lord says, He has given us all spiritual blessings in Christ. And it's our job to claim them. It's our job to claim them. I think that someday we'll get to heaven and we'll be shown, this is your mansion. And we'll be given a key. Not that we have to lock up stuff in heaven. And we'll open the doors. And the door won't be able to open. And we'll think, what's going on? Why can't I open this door? And we push a little bit and it gets open a little bit more. And we push a little bit more. And we push a little bit more. And we say, what, what is all this stuff? Those, those are all the gifts that we purposed for you down on earth. But you didn't receive them, so we kept them here so that you could see what you missed out on. All spiritual blessings have been given to you. And we need to realize this incredible God has given us these incredible blessings. To give to us here and now. The second one, be strong and courageous. And, and then the Lord gives, him, gives Joshua instructions. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, uh, I commanded you. And he goes on and he says, depart. Don't depart from it. Meditate on it and you will be prosperous. You see, to, to meditate on the law, to meditate on his word. To obey the word. And, and I, I love this part. Is you, you, you need to speak it. You need to meditate on it. To meditate means to mutter. You see, if you don't speak the word, the word is not about to speak back to you. Speak the word. Speak the word. I loved reading the story of Howard Hendricks. He was a president of the Dallas Theological Seminary, and he made a ruling at the seminary saying that when a student graduates, he was to have learnt, memorized, 1,000 verses from the Bible. That's a tall order. But you see, there is something about memorizing and repeating and meditating on the Scriptures. Dallas Willard, professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California, said, Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. If I had to choose 
between all the disciplines in the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is fundamental in our understanding and filling our minds with what it needs. Chuck Swindoll said this, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding than memorizing Scripture. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Why? It's important for our prayer life. It's important to help us witness in a sharper way, for our minds to become alert, for our attitudes and our outlook to change. Remembering the Bible. Remember when Jesus was confronted with the devil, and the devil tempted him in Matthew chapter 4, and he said, yeah, turn these stones into bread. I know that you're very hungry, but you'll have something to eat. You're able to do it. Go up to the corner there and throw yourself off, and the angels will, will save you. And every single time, Jesus said, it is written. He quoted the scripture. When God spoke to Samuel in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 21, the Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. If we have an understanding of God, it'll come through the word. In your counseling with people, if you don't know the word, your counseling will be delinquent. It will be missing something. Listen to what Proverbs 25 verse 11 says, a word fitly spoken like apples of gold in the setting of silver. And when you communicate to unbelievers, Peter on the day of Pentecost, when he preached that passage of scripture, when he preached that sermon, and 3,000 people were converted in Acts chapter 2, more than half his sermon, he was just quoting scripture. More than 50%. We need to allow the word to speak to us. We need to remind ourselves over and over again. Don't let your fears talk. Don't let your doubts talk to you. Let the word of God speak to you. Jesus has redeemed me. He has redeemed me from, this, from the curse of sin and death. I am blessed coming in. I am blessed going out. I am blessed in the city. I am blessed in the field. I am the head. I am not the tail. I am above. I am not beneath. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then the last one, be strong and courageous. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Mm. You see, we need to be reminded of his presence because fear can get a hold of us. The psalmist knew this. And that's why in Psalm 23, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the worst experience that you can have going through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. For thou art with me. God's inescapable presence is the basic and most fundamental truth in the, script, uh, in, in the scriptures. And it makes a decided difference the way 
we deal with life. Moses said this, and he had seen the incredible miracles of God take place. Miracles in Egypt, miracles in Sinai, miracles of the manner of the manner falling on the ground every single day, water flowing out of the rock. But Moses himself said, Lord, beyond all these miracles, beyond all the success that you have given me, I want you. Do not take your spirit from me. I want you, Lord. Be strong. Be courageous. May this year be a year where we realize his ability, his strength. Keep on moving forward. Keep on moving forward. You see, the Christian life is not a playground. It's a battlefield. I will give no place to failure or fear. I will accept no trace of apathy and attitude or uncertainty. I will reject complacency and I will accept the greatness that God has planned and planted inside of me. I will not waste any opportunities to glorify my God. And I will maximize everything that he has entrusted to me. I will move forward. I will step out and I will claim my inheritance. My battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual enemies that oppose me. And I draw the battle lines. And I face my enemy head on. And I do that with bold determination. And every time the enemy comes against me, I know that God has surrounded my enemies. The enemy can come at me one way, but with God, it will flee seven different ways. Despite the obstacles that confront me, I will make no excuses and turn those things into stepping stones. I will move forward. I will not pro procrastinate my progress. I will not defer my destiny. I will not cower in the face of circumstances that come my way, even if they are terrible. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will always move forward. Even if I lose the battle, I will win the war because I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. I will reject the lies from the one who comes to me and tells me, you don't have what it takes. I will reject the lies that tell me the best is behind you. And that my humiliation awaits me. The devil is a liar. And my God always causes me to triumph through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I will move forward. I will be unashamed to represent the kingdom that is unshakable. With my God, I will advance always in his presence. I will scale every wall. Though my enemies surround me and my God surrounds my enemies... Though they come at me one way, they will flee many different ways. No weapon that is formed against us will prosper. My potential in him is unlimited because I have a limitless God who lives inside of me. I will move forward. The cross is before me. 
The world is behind me. I will never turn back. I will never give up. I will never settle down. <laughs> I will never stop short. I will press on to the mark of the prize of the upward call that is mine. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, nor any power, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height nor depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate me from my God. If my God is for me, who can be against me? I will move forward. I will fight. I will claim everything that God has in store for me. Amen.